Hey everybody, this is an introduction to ION 2020, the first couple episodes I'm going to tag this introduction to, just because when I first started podcasting, I was really new to it, and I didn't understand how sound worked, I didn't really understand the format of podcasting and so forth, so if you'll bear with me on the first 15 to 20 shows or so, I guarantee if you get through those ones, you'll uh, start enjoying a lot of the topics that we cover on this show. I do have a Monday through Friday show, so if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that as well. You can listen to the newer episodes, but if you're one of those people that starts at episode one and then goes through, just keep that in mind that I was brand new to podcasting at the time, and I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the show, though. I welcome you to listen to another perspective on the 2020 election. I take a libertarian take on these things, and if you like to hear a different take on the 2020 election then definitely this is a place for you, okay? So thank you for joining me, and uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear the show tomorrow, the brand new shows that we put out day in and day out, Monday through Friday, okay? ION 2020, Episode 9. Thank you for joining me on the I on 2020 podcast. My name is Ray Eaton, and I will be your host as we move towards November of 2020. I plan to do all the research on these presidential candidates so you don't have to. So if you like politics, enjoy, because if 2020 is anything like 2016, we are in for a treat. Oh, and did I mention I'm a libertarian through and through? everybody thank you so much for joining me on the ion 2020 podcast my name is ray e and i am your host and i am looking forward to telling you guys a little bit about some things that are going on with the 2020 election today it is monday morning and uh i went ahead and pulled up a little bit of news and so forth and just trying to uh find some good information for you to let you know what's going on we have some new democrats that are going to be running for uh that announced that they're going to be running for office and uh, you know some analysis of some news articles as well, just some things that I saw that I thought were really interesting, and I, you know, I just wanted to bring those things to you because you know it's important that we that we get through all the news of the day and also you know learn a little bit about some of these candidates. The Democrats, for some reason, you're going to have these Democrats that are going to be on the you know more towards the center. You're going to have these really far left wing type Democrats as well. And that's just the way it is. I mean, we're libertarians, and libertarians typically are a little bit, you know, skeptical of any politician, really. Even the libertarian candidates we tend to be skeptical on. We can't, it's hard for libertarians to get behind one candidate. We always f have these infightings and stuff. And if you, if you, you know, if, if they nominate like a Gary Johnson, everyone's going to be f f flipping out about that. You're going to have a lot of people that follow him as well. Um, you know, it's just the way it is within the libertarian movement and because we're skeptical. I mean, that's just the way it is because, you know, we're skeptical of government and we're skeptical of government having power over us. So that's that's the way libertarians are. Right. So if if um, if a, if we're looking at a candidate, we're looking at it from a different perspective than somebody that is just looking at it from like a normal perspective and the normal person is saying, OK, so what's that candidate going to do for me? Or does that person look nice or does that person sound good? 
does that person have a good personality? Is he likable? Those are, you know, very subjective things that deliver that that most people take into account when they're looking at a candidate. But libertarians, we look at it from a very different perspective, and that's just, you know, that that's normal. So I'm t- I'm going to try to look at these candidates on the Democratic side from the from that perspective. And the reason why I'm focusing so much on Democrats is because Republicans pretty much already chose their guy, right? They have Donald Trump. That's who it's going to be. Um, you might have someone like a John Kasich that's going to run up against this, against Donald Trump in a primary, but he's going to get destroyed. Unless Donald Trump really makes some major mistakes over the next two years, I don't see his base going away from him. I mean, the guy even said it during the last election. I go, I could, you know, shoot somebody in, in the streets in New York and my base will still follow me. And it's true. These people that are the base of Donald Trump, they really do, you know, they love the guy. They are willing to follow him down whatever path he goes. They know that he's a morally flawed character. They don't care. You know, the Christian conservatives, they they get behind him. Um, there, there's just, there's, he, ha- he has that base. He has that strong base, that blue-collar worker that's going to be behind him. So we're not, you know, I'm not too concerned about somebody going against Donald Trump. That's probably not going to happen. I think he actually formally announced that he's going to be running for president over the weekend as well. Uh, he filed some paperwork and so forth. And that's just, um, so for somebody to run against him, that's going to be a very huge challenge. I'm focusing on a lot of the Demo- Democrats right now. And the reason why is because the Democrats, they're going to start lining up. They're expected to have a very large field of candidates this this election cycle. Um, there's a lot of people that are, you know, dipping their toe in the water right now talking about it. There's a lot of talk within news agencies about these Democratic candidates. And that's the information I'm getting is coming from the Democrats. So you're not seeing a lot of activity on the Libertarian side. You're not seeing a lot of activity on the uh, Green Party side. Just the third party in general, you're not seeing a lot of activity on that. And independents, you're not seeing a lot of activity on those for the independents as well. So um, that's why I'm focusing on the Democrats. And I could take a critical look at these Democrats too. And that'll help you guys to make a decision going forward. I mean, most libertarians aren't going to vote Democrat, but you know that that that's, that congresswoman from Hawaii that I spoke about the other day, you know, she seems like she's a pretty good libertarianish candidate in the sense of not libertarian in her personal views, but somebody that libertarians might like because of her anti-war stance. Um, so, I mean, you might find a candidate that you generally like and you're, that you might root for on the Democratic side. And it'll make this election cycle more interesting for you when you know what's going on with these candidates as well. Because you'll be able to root for that particular candidate over, um, you know, over an Elizabeth Warren or a Hillary Clinton or a Bernie Sanders that gets in. Um, you, you'll have the you'll have a little bit more information. Now, you know, when you're watching the debates and so forth going into next year, you'll be able to see which candidates you already lo- know a little bit about their views and everything. So following these Democratic candidates, yeah, we're libertarians, you know, but at least we'll have some information because I know that I'll probably be watching these debates. To me, I've watched these debates in the past too. And when you're watching the Republicans, it's a little bit different. There's There's a little bit different way that the questions are asked the because of the way that the media is the media is sent, you know has a liberal stance from the from the get go so they're typically going to um be a little bit more confront confrontative 
with the Republicans and with the Democrats. They're just saying so, you know, they'll ask questions that are very softball questions a lot of times, like, what are you going to do about Medicare? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And Democrats have a very appealing sound if you're talking or if you're listening to them because they're going to talk about how the government's going to do this and that. And if you don't have a critical eye towards the government, then you're then those things are going to sound good to you, especially if you have a very subjective um, view of the government, which is, you know, what can the government do for me? Which is way outside of what the, uh, what, what was it, um, you know, Kennedy said way back when, not, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you, you can do for your country. But a lot of people do have that view of what can my country do for me, right? So you do have, um, we do want to take a look at these candidates just to know who they are and what they're doing, what their views are, so that you can have a general idea of, um, going into these, you know, debates and just watching them, you'll have a, you'll be a little bit more educated on that. So let's jump into the, the first article I found. It was on New York Magazine. It's a, um, and it says, what lanes will the two, 2020 Democratic candidates run in? Recent dem- going into the article, recent Democratic presidential nominating contests have been relatively simple. In 2000, it was pretty much Gore versus Bradley, Al Gore versus Bill Bradley. In 2016, you pretty much had Clinton versus Sanders, and that was it. Primary battles are were almost entirely two candidate affairs. In 2008, quickly, yeah, 2008 quickly devolved into a two candidate fight: Obama versus Clinton. And in 2004, the competition was all but over after John Kerry won both Iowa and New Hampshire. So. There were all sorts of interesting fights underneath the surface in all these contests, but nothing required three-dimensional chess to understand. In most years, establishment versus insurgent was about as deep as you can get. The 2020 Democratic presidential race, however, is shaping up as a vast and complicated battleground, with many viable, even more dark horse candidates. Inevitably, both campaign operatives and political observers will have to analyze the field in terms of sub-contests between clusters of candidates pursuing particular constituencies. So what they're saying in here, and it moves on with the article that the Republicans, the way the Republicans were in 2016, having like, I think they had 16 serious candidates and, you know, 25 or so candidates total. There was so many different lanes that these guys were running and trying to get, get the, you know, slice and dice the, the voting population, right? So they're saying that somehow the Democrats are probably going to be a similar situation this year and look look at this it says bump hat or what was it scott walker ted cruz and mike huckabee were leaders in the tea party lane walker huckabee jeb bush as the top three in the event in evangelical lane in evangelical lane sorry and bush and chris christie dominating the moderate establishment lane that was jeb bush walker and bush doing best in the very conservative lane and Rand Paul pretty much alone in the libertarian lane. So there was, those were the lanes that were developed for the 2016. And then you had Marco Rubio and John Kasich in the establishment lane. You had Ted Cruz and Ben Carson in the value voters lane. So there was different lanes that of voters that these guys were trying to talk to. So how might, and, and you know, we all know that Democrats are all about, you know, politics based upon who you are and what type of person you are, right? They, um, so let's get into it. So how, let's get further into the article. 
How might the chattering classes slice and dice the 2020 Democratic field? There are several ways to look at. You got the ideological lanes, like Bernie Sanders will anchor the progressive lane with potential competition from Elizabeth Warren. So those are the ideological people. You have the racial, ethnic, and gender lanes. The size of the likely 2020 field means multiple candidates from demographic groups that are rarely represented in presidential contests. There's never been a Democratic primary field with more than one viable woman or African-American. But this year, you're looking at having Gabbard, Gillibrand, Klobacher, and Warren, which would create a huge women's lane in theory. Booker and Harris would battle for African-American votes beginning in the er beginning in the early South Carolina primary. Julian Castro, another person announced over the weekend, would could attract the attention of Latino voters. So you do definitely, and then you have the Rust Belt, you know, blue-collar guys that are going to be dominated by the Joe Bidens and the Sherrod Browns, you know, and that would help them to get some of those blue-collar Trump voters that voted in the last election to help him win. Then you have generational lanes. You have Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders that are older, along with, along with Elizabeth Warren. And you have Mike Bloomberg and John Kerry are all Demo potential Democratic candidates who are in their 70s. What makes virtually everyone else a possible youth candidate? Yeah, that makes all the other ones youth candidates. You got Gabbard, um, Eric Swallow, Booker, Castro. They're all younger people. O'Rourke. They're all in their 40s. So those folks are all, they're going to be able to de develop those into the generational lanes. Then you have the fame lanes. I'm not sure what that means. Let's get into that. In a big field like 2020, less well-known candidates will inevitably battle with each other for the media attention the celebrity candidates take for granted. So you have certain candidates that are going to be celebrity candidates. That's probably going to be like a Hillary Clinton, um, Bernie Sanders, and so forth. So then you have the electability candidates. You're going to talk about who is electable. Well, Biden's obviously electable because he's been the vice president before. Then you have Hillary Clinton, who's obviously possibly electable as well. That's disputable because people don't really like her too much. But, you know, she does have a lot of support as well. And then you have the luck lanes. That's the hardest thing to anticipate and adjust to are the, the events that shake up the nomination contest before and just after voters begin voting. For example... Both Biden and Sanders, who lead most early polls, decide not to run. Everything can change. The milestone, the millstone, sorry, Elizabeth Warren is trying to shrug off involving the essentially silly issue of her Native American claims is an example of variables that are hard to calculate. Exactly. So Elizabeth Warren, she tries to be, say that she's a Native American, then she does this little uh, DNA test and she decide, and turns out that she's not really Native American. You know, that's something that is part of luck, right? She just made a calculated mistake, and it, and it turned out to be a bad thing for her. So those are certain things. What, what this article basically is saying is that you're going to have certain lanes that the Democrats are going to be running in. You're going to have a large field of Democrats out there this year. Last time, you know, you pretty much had Bernie Sanders, who wasn't planning on... Well, I guess he was planning on running, but he wasn't... Um, considered a serious candidate but he just got a huge movement behind him for this progressive view that he has and then you had hillary clinton and then on the debate stage you had two other guys i can't remember who they were i think one of them was the, the governor of virginia at the time 
and uh, those guys pretty much dropped out after the first debate. Then it was just Hillary and, and Bernie. I don't know if that's a good thing for the Democrats or not, because having just two candidates, you know, it doesn't give you a wide variety of people to choose from, and it also does not put you on the um, the stage as much, right? You're going to get more information out there on the on the debate stage, but you're not going to have as much news cycled around your around the campaign, the Democratic side, as you did around the Republican side, because all you heard was, you know, hunt. it was just news story after news story about the Republicans versus, you had news story after news story about the Republicans, but with the Democrats, you just had a few news stories here and there. I mean, obviously it was big news that Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders were fighting it out, but there was a little bit more of a buzz, I guess, around the, around the Republicans and the controversy that was encircling Donald Trump as you know being such a front runner for the republicans it just turned out to be uh you know even though bad news it you know they say any news is good news right especially when it comes to politics so um so moving on let's get let, let me jump into another another story that i found as well obama protege julian julian castro is uh going to con- become a presidential candidate in 2020 I don't know much about the guy. They say he's very charismatic as well. And uh, he was the mayor of San Antonio, which is the seventh largest city city in America. And he was also the, um, he was also one of uh, Barack Obama's uh, cabinet secretaries for housing and urban development. So, and he's an Hispanic guy. Um, Seems like he's very charismatic. Seems like he's very... Uh, speaks very well uh and he talks to the immigrant you know the the immigrant population he speaks to the hispanic population which is a huge population in america and they say that you know he's he has the blessing of barack obama as well so you know this guy really might have a have a chance in 2020 on the democratic ticket he's a young guy people and he is outside of um just the white male so he's a he's a minority and for democrats that's that seems like a very important thing they want to have a female or a hispanic or a african-american or somebody from a different uh other than just you know the 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 straight white male i think is what one article that i read said about what the democrats want so julian castro he is going to be running and he has a brother that's a congressman right now, and that's the person that introduced him in San Antonio when he announced that he was going to be running uh, for the 2020 candidate or 2020 presidency. And um, he's going to be running against, as of right now, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Tulsi Gabbard, and a few other people that have announced. So he's also, it says right here, that he is the only this third person that's going to be running as a Hispanic uh, American for president and that was senator ted cruz and marco rubio were the first two and that were that was on the republican side so that'll be interesting to see i'll look more into this guy as well as we go forward um as he becomes more of a serious candidate but that's someone that has decided to run for president for 2020 and it looks right here his motto is going to be or his slogan is going to be one nation one destiny so that's what he says we he said and then in his speech he says i want to represent america's future diverse fast growing and optimistic yes we must have border security but there's a smart and humane way to do it and there is no way in hell 
that caging children is keeping us safe as the crowd erupts. We say no to building a wall and yes to building community. So he gets roars from the crowd to that. So um, maybe that's going to be his issue is going to be immigration. Who knows? I'm sure that is the case because he has to speak to a specific population to get votes. And a lot of um, immigrants, especially in Texas and, and the border states, are probably a little bit up in rage against uh, about Trump, uh, you know, proposing this border wall and so forth, especially as this uh, uh, this this uh, government shutdown keeps going. There's going to be some, you know, even more outrage, I'm sure. So he's going to play on that outrage. That's just the way that politicians are. And uh, so, yeah, so Julian, Julian Castro, he's going to be running for president in 2020. Never heard of him. Look him up. I'll bring you more as he becomes more of a serious candidate as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on the Ion 2020 podcast. I am your host. I am Ray Eaton, and I do appreciate all the... Uh, people that are listening to this podcast, I hope that you will like this podcast, support this podcast, um, share it with your friends, share it with people that you know, and let them know that there is a libertarian out there talking to the 2020 elections already. And I hope that I hear or see you back here soon. All right. Appreciate your time and have a great day. Keep your eyes on 2020. Freedom!